Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. This is Pastor Freddie T, and it is Holy Week. I think you're going to enjoy the podcast today. Listen, that's why we do it, is we think you'll enjoy it. Um, You know, Jonathan and I have a great friendship, so we love hanging out, but we want you to know there's great unity in the leadership at Real Life. Jonathan's an elder here at Real Life. I'm the pastor. We've got other elders that are amazing guys. Uh, It's an enjoyable conversation today. So lean in, crank the volume, and uh, open your heart. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Good morning and welcome to the podcast. Shalom, Fred. JV, Tuesday morning. Did the thunder wake you up last night? No, the eight-year-old girl <laughs> who got woken up by the thunder. Oh, <laughs> dude, it was loud. <laughs> Felt like it was right outside my bedroom window. Flash, flash, thunder, thunder. When that happens and it sounds like it's outside my bedroom window, does it also sound like it's outside of everybody else's bedroom window? Uh, not maybe those in St. Louis, but yes, around here. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah, good morning. How you doing? Uh, we're all a little sleepy this morning. At least I am. My family's a little sleepy. The rain morning. will do that to you, make you want to stay in bed a little longer. And April showers, I say, bring May flowers. I took Elliot over to the Family Life Center this morning, Hilldale Baptist Church's FLC, shot yeah. some basketball. How many did he make? How many did you make? He he did make six free throws in a row. Look at you. No, he did. I know. Look yeah. at you. All that teaching you've given. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> no, Coach Mark Young, former... Women's assistant basketball coaches, Elliot's basketball Yoda. Great. But uh, we memorized a verse this morning, 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Be, uh, let's see. Let me look it up for you. No, no, I'll quote it. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, let all that you do be done in love. That's good. Yeah. Did you memorize that before? I, I had Not memor- recently. I had memorized it before, but not recently. Yeah, that's good. So this morning was like mine and his first morning to dig into it again. Super great. Yeah. Very encouraging. I memorized it with Jack on Jack's man trip. Yeah. But Elliot and I didn't memorize it. I had it like in my notes. We just never got to it. You were mesmerized by the Creation Museum or the art. I I guess so. (laughs) I guess so. That's a great verse, though. It is easy to memorize because it's these four little pithy statements. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. It's like four little bam, 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 bam. And then let all that you do be done in love. It's yeah. a good word. Sunday was a uh, fantastic morning. I, I do early service. Uh, it was packed. Uh, kids were singing. Kids were rolling with their yeah. hands, raising their hands. They were so good, man. They were super good. I can't wait to see Daniel Cox's recap. It was so really His fantastic. video recap. It was. It, I, it was. I... I want to ask Jeanette to like have the kids sing once a quarter. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's a lot of work, but they did it. I mean, they dialed it in in real life kids, and kids came out of the woodwork to sing. We had more kids than we normally do. My kids were so excited to get to do it. A little nervous, but they were so excited. Your kids were totally into it. Did oh, you guys yeah. practice at home? We did. Yeah. We did. We did it Saturday night. We did the whole uh, hand motions and all that. That's so, impressive. Uh, Jeanette and the team, I know there's lots of people. I saw Emily yes. Hanchel down there helping yes. out with it. Yes, Laurie. Yeah. And Christy and yeah, all, so all the volunteers. It was yeah. really, really worth it. And I was trying to give them all a 
fist fist pound, fist bump as they were walking away. Some did, some didn't, but they did a really great job. You know what's crazy is we never ushered the kids into that space to like get them to stand where they were going to stand. I was half, (laughs) logistically, I was as impressed with that as I was them singing because it's like, they just ushered them in there and it was like they'd practiced it five times and everybody got to their spaces without a hitch and... Yeah, it was yeah. a lot of fun, and uh, I think, that, you know, Jeanette may not like it, but I think uh, once a quarter would be fun. Yeah, yeah. Really, really big. Yeah, yeah. We had a big crowd, you know. it's uh, we. It was another record attendance, praise God. I know it had to be a big crowd because uh, your wife, Susan, and me and my wife do a community, two separate community groups at 10 o'clock in the bowling lounge, and they were like taking chairs from underneath us, trying to get it into the Madison room. Susan actually had to move over to the sitting lounge, uh, and yeah, it was just it was packed. So that's yes, great. So God, good. God's drawing His people, Fred. God's Indeed. drawing His people. What a what a privilege. Yes. Yeah. Timmy. Timmy. Everybody stop me. I now, why do you pe- why do you call Timmy Timmy? I why don't do you know. Do it's just what I would uh, go down and see him in Jackson if you listen to the podcast. Would you say that to him? I would go Timmy when you would show up. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what <laughs> we've always done. It's so, okay. Uh, right. Justin Kleinard and Pat Pierce saw me in between services, so they're, they're we're, we're a little confused. We're super excited. We're a little confused. Do we call him Tim, Timmy, or Timmy? That's hilarious. <laughs> That's said, great. I don't think he'll care just as long as he gets here. I was yeah. telling. Do you ever? Do you remember Dennis McCarty? Dennis, they called him California Jesus because he had oh, long yeah, yeah, blonde yeah, hair. Yeah, he was a bricklayer. Yeah, got yeah, radically yeah, saved. Yeah, 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 Anyways. Yeah, yeah. Um, Dennis and I had this thing where whenever we would see each other, I would say, you the man. Yeah. And then he would say back, no, you the man. And then we'd both at the same time say, no, he the man and point up, you know? So if I point at you, you the man, he'd point back at me, no, you the man. And we'd go, nah, he the man. And I introduced Mark Winarik to that the other day. So like he was trying to do that to me the other day on Sunday. So, well, we're so excited. Uh, Tim Neusbomber, born and raised here, his wife uh, from Memphis, They moved to New Jersey 17-plus years ago, uh, planted a church or churches there. He has been called uh, by God to come and serve as associate pastor at Real Life Sango, and we can't be more excited. I'm so fired up. So fired up. It was uh, a long process, at times discouraging. That's what I wrote in the brain dump, and Mm -hmm. um, it was hard. It was a hard time to find the right people, good people, and thankful that that uh that you persevered that you persevered that the elders helped persevere uh and that god is always in his perfect timing able to provide yeah so when timmy was growing up here everybody knew him as timmy Timmy. when he moved to the northeast he tried to be cool and drop it to tim got the goatee thing shaved his head everybody (laughs) i think he shaved his head because it would have you know anyway uh but uh, we've already set up his email address, and we set it up as Timmy. Yeah, yeah. Timmy. <laughs> Even though Tim is a lot easier, and we just, we set up just as Timmy. Didn't, just yep. didn't fit for us. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, looking for a house now. They'll be moving down here soon. Um, so I, I know the podcast listeners and the church folks will give him a big hug and and uh, excited to see him. I know I had two or three people stop me on Sunday morning saying they, how excited they were for him to come down. So Yes. Uh, Timmy and Robin. and Pray for them. Please Ian pray for them. Emma. Yeah, pray for them. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, this past Sunday he shared with his church that, that he'll no longer be, you know, their pastor. And those are emotional transitions. 
uh, a myriad of emotions. So pray for them that God steadies them, helps them transition, helps them process. That it's you know stress is minimal, and that the reception is warm and. That he's not overwhelmed as he learns the job that they get settled into their home. Really, stop and pray because God hears our prayers. He loves to hear his children bring our needs to him. And so thanks for praying for Timmy. And All right. So uh, those were a couple things in your brain dump that you got out on Sunday not Sunday afternoon, I think. I don't know when you got it out early. Uh, anything else you want to say about the brain dump at all? Um, just that I am crushing Tyrell in fantasy baseball. <laughs> I was going to give you the opportunity to say that again. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks. So this may be your last week you get to say it. So Listen, you say it again. All right. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. So when we lived in Arizona, we discovered, we didn't know this before we moved, but we discovered there's pro baseball year round. And so like minor league baseball on all these, in these, all these spring training ballparks, so they have spring training, and then they have extended spring training. And then they have rookie league. Then they have instruct league. Then they have fall league. Literally, I'm not making all that up. That's actual leagues that they have. And so the fall league in the fall is when every major league team sends seven of their top prospects, like the guys that are about to break into the majors. They send them out to Arizona to play in this month-long league. Well, you can get a family pass for 120 bucks, and you can go to every game. The whole family can go 120 bucks. So it's like best deal ever, better than Costco right there. And uh, so we would see all these future major leaguers playing, and the boys would learn how to. If you've ever been to our house, you've seen the cracked bat collection on our wall. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of an eyesore, but we just got baseball bats upstairs on the whole wall. And uh, so, anyways, when we moved here, like. Jack Elliott and I, like, we know all these minor leaguers that are, like, about to make their major league debuts, and none of the guys out here know these guys. But we've seen them. We've got their autographs. We've talked to them. We've got their crack bats, all this stuff. So, on one hand, it feels a little nostalgic to draft them because in your fantasy league, if you don't know what fantasy sports are, you know, you download an app, everybody picks their teams, and then as these athletes do well, you get points, right? And then it, and you're competing against somebody else in, against their team. So, you know, so so I, I drafted a couple of guys that early, like Ronald Acuna Jr., who plays, plays for the Braves, who's probably one of the best baseball players in the game today. A couple of years ago, I drafted him before anybody really knew who he was. Jack and Elliot knew who they were, but the other guys really didn't know who they were. Well, now everybody wants him because he's, like, amazing, right? Well, anyways, so they make fun of me. The guys make fun of me. Our very first uh, our very first real-life student director, volunteer, Nathan Maynard, he now lives in Texas. Well, Nathan still plays with us, you know, and he's won the league two or three times in a row. Well, Nathan always make they always make fun of me because I draft a couple of minor leaguers, you know, because I'm always looking to see who played in the fall league and all this stuff, you know. So when the draft was done last year, I was sick, right? Because of COVID, I was sick and I didn't even get to draft my team. It auto drafted, so that kind of stunk because I'm like working with a team. Anyways, I I know this is our podcast listeners just bear with me. I oh, come on, let's, let's bring it through. Stuff. Come on. So, anyways, uh. So they're making fun of me because I draft these minor leaguers, right? When the draft is over, evidently, like the draft tells you, based upon the projected rankings, who's got the best team. (laughs) So I had the worst team, you know, (laughs) out of about eight of these guys. So you got a handful of our students, uh, the Smith boys, Tripp and Aiden, they're playing. 
our student leaders, Alex Martin and Tyrell, and they're playing. Uh, Jack and Elliot and I are playing. Anyways, and uh, so so I've got the worst team according to the projections. Well, right now, if you look and you compare all of my numbers, granted, we're only one four, game deep, four days <laughs> in, now, four days into the season. Um, like I'm crushing not just not only am I crushing Tyrell. I'm kind of crushing everybody, and um, I don't know how long this is going to last. Like, okay, so right now I have 28 runs. Jack has 29. Uh, Aiden has 31. Alex Martin has 28. So Alex and I are tied. I've got 10 home runs. Nobody else. I, like, I've got more home runs than anybody. I've got 38 RBIs. No, nobody else has anywhere close to 38 RBIs. So, so I'm really enjoying this this four days into the fantasy. So, baseball. two things I'll take away from this this uh, <laughs> oh, mercy. This extremely exciting news yeah. about the fantasy baseball league is one you cheated by going to Arizona to see all these minor league guys. Not cheating. So that's the first thing, uh, and the second thing I'm sure we'll never hear about this again because you'll be crushed by all the rest of the, the rest of the group. That's possible. Yeah. So but I, I hope I, you enjoyed it because you may never hear it again. Yeah, that's possible. You know what I tell Jack all the time? You know, he's a baseball player, and I tell him, Jack, anything can happen any day. Anybody can get hurt. You know, when I was in high school, I was on the bench, and my buddy Johnny Bell had beat me out for second base. And we were both juniors, mostly a senior lineup, and Johnny's grandmother dies. He's got to go to Florida for her funeral, so I've got to play. Well, I've got I have the game of my life when, you know – when he's out. So now I'm in the starting lineup, you know, and, uh, I tell Jack that all the time. I said, anything can happen. So that's in major league baseball or high school baseball. So that's great stuff, Fred. <laughs> See the transparency that podcast brings out on our, oh, Fred. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. we hope you continue to crush Tyrell <laughs> and the rest of them. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Listen, if I don't know if Tyrell listens to the podcast, so if you're listening to the podcast, <laughs> And you have and you have Tyrell's cell. Just stop right now and text him. That's Tyrell Gash, and um, yeah, I, I I almost gave you his cell number, but I'll I'm do not that. Do Let's that. not do, not that. do that. All right. So uh, we were in Luke 18 and Luke 19, uh, Palm Sunday. Um, we're gonna go back not through the sermon, but we're gonna spin off of what you talked about. A little piece of Shalom. Did you hear the Shalom, Fred? How's I started? Shalom. It? Shalom, Fred. Um, so we're going to do that, but let's uh, take a break and we'll jump into it. Easter is this Sunday. Think about it this way. If you become a Christian when you're age 20 and you live to age 80, you've got 60 opportunities to invite people to Easter Sunday. And this week is one of those opportunities. Why am I telling you that? Don't waste this week. Don't underestimate the power of your influence in other people's lives. God has put you in someone else's pathway. God has given you favor with someone else, and he wants you to invite them. Not just invite them, influence them to join you this Sunday. Stop what you're doing. Make a plan. Shoot them a text. Give them a call. Be intentional. Invite and influence someone to join you this Sunday at Easter at Real Life. 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you then. All right, JV, I got a, I got some questions for you. I always got questions. 
These were unrehearsed, by the way. You and I, of course, they were unscripted. You mm-hmm. and I were talking about. You and I were talking the other day about. Let me see if I can remember because my mind just went blank. COVID fog brain. Um, you, you, I, I can't remember what I was talking. So let me dive in where I was going. Yeah, let me dive in where I was going. Uh, I was, um, oh, let's pull this back. Oh yeah, you and I were talking about being workaholics. Yes. <laughs> All right. So you, you were like, I'm a workaholic, you're a workaholic, right? Like, and, and you weren't bragging about it. It was nope. more, it was more confessional. Very. Right. Confessional. But most, so most people are going to fall over on one side of the fence of either being a workaholic or being a little lazy, right? Most, most people are going to fall over mm-hmm. and maybe people like swing in the pendulum, mm-hmm. you know, back and forth, you know, like depending upon the season, they're a workaholic or they're lazy or what, you know, whatever. Right. And so we want to, you know, we have a mantra at real life, work hard, uh, Work hard, play hard, rest well. You know, so we, we want to do both. We want to we want to um, in leadership. In leadership, you could fall over off off on two sides of the fences, where you could be uh, too domineering or too passive, right? So we're always kind of looking to grab that pendulum right in the middle. You know, so Jesus's ministry was marked with grace and truth. Grace and truth. Grace and truth. Good it's answer. One, it's one of our values: <laughs> grace and truth in relationships, right? So we can be too gracious or we can be too truth-driven with not enough grace, you know, right? So we want to grab both of those together because that's the way Jesus did it, right? So in talking about, like, uh, I was just thinking about fantasy baseball, and I was just imagining, like, listeners going, oh, wow, pastor really got fired up about fantasy baseball. What does he do? Sit around watching <laughs> baseball stats all day long? And, and you know, and, and so what came up for me was the idea about hobbies. So about 10 years ago, more like, Gosh, more like 14 years ago, you know, I moved to New York City, the city that never sleeps, a city that revolves around work. Everybody in the city takes their work, you know, with a great amount of urgency. And I was a new young church planter and listening to all things church planting and training and all of that, right? And the idea came up with church planters need a hobby. You need a hobby because if you don't have a hobby, it's like you're going to pull the rubber band back. The tension is going to grow too much, and it's going to snap, right? So hobbies help us, you know, let the rubber band relax a little bit. And um, so, you know, on my day off, my days off are challenging because I'm always looking for something to do other than work, right? And, uh, you know, taking a good nap is good. Anyways, fantasy baseball, it's a nice little hobby, right? Um, do you... Do you have any hobbies, Jonathan? Uh, <clears throat> yes, I do. Um, unfortunately, this is really interesting that you bring this up. Okay. But I'm not going to go into it too deep. Okay. Because it really has nothing to do with what we talked about Sunday. Well, it sh- I guess it does. Uh, we'll get to that. We'll but, get to that. Uh, so what I tried to do with my hobby is kind of wrap it into something functional. So when I, f- I won't go into what Something I was, productive. Yeah, when I was going to become a lawyer, I was going to do all these. You don't want to have a meaningless hobby. See, well, that's right. So then it's yeah. really a hobby. So no, that's right. That's, see, that, that's the whole like, point is that hobbies are to be meaningless know, to get our know, mind off of like so being a So this has to go with my new interest in the Sabbath or the Shabbat and what the Sabbath is. And so I'm trying to... It's under- already not a hobby. That's right. <laughs> <You're> <laughs> talking- <laughs> I just heard a guy on a podcast saying he, he had, these, had these students that were trying to learn how to do the Sabbath and... He's like, and so they try to start on Friday nights when Sabbath is, and they were texting him. I don't know if I'm doing this right. And he's like, yeah, if you're asking me the question, you're not doing the Sabbath. The podcast right. for you is probably a little 
like a hobby, a little bit, right? <laughs> you you have you have a convergence of spiritual life and hobby together. Yeah, so, it sounds like so kind of, but cooking, cooking is oh yeah, yeah. So cooking became when I became a lawyer twenty two years ago, and actually started practicing before that. Um, I really never cooked. Mom and dad always cooked. I just never cooked. Really didn't care. Uh, and then when I became a lawyer, I immediately needed to find, tried golf. I was really, really bad at golf. Shake it off. I, I throw left-handed or right, right-handed. So I was playing left-hand clubs, right-hand clubs, and both of them would go back in the woods. So, uh, I did that for like two years. And I was like, really, yep. you tried to play golf for yeah, two years? And so I played right-handed, which I'm weak on. So yeah. I get my driver and, and drive it about 123 yards. Yeah. <laughs> I get my, get my driver out and tee it out in the fair, fairway. But anyway, so I picked up cooking. And um, I just really enjoy cooking. So it's you know Alex minus. Morris. Have I introduced you to Alex yet? I've, Alex I've and Nicole. Him. Yes. Uh, he he cooks. Yeah. And and bakes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 So they, they brought a cake over to the house once. It was good. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I started cooking and uh, yeah, I had some crunchy rice there for the first few times about twenty some odd years ago. And, crunchy rice because I didn't cook it long enough. And then um, gotcha because I didn't know what I was doing. Gotcha. So between Cooking Channel and Food TV and PBS and all that. So do you think hobbies books, are important? Um, I think you, you said I, I didn't know this thing in real life that you just said. Which part? Work hard. Yeah. Play hard. Yeah. Rest, rest well. well. Yeah. Which is the Sabbath. And so I, we call it hobbies. You call it what you want to. I think that, yes, you need to have balance in your life. You can't be so unidimensional. That's all you do is one thing all day long. Sure. And I think um, that God's created us to stop and rest. And doesn't mean sleep on the couch necessarily. It doesn't mean not do things. But we need to take our minds off of the grind. Yeah. If you want to look at it, take it back to Exodus. You know, the Egyptians found, excuse me. The Jewish people found, the Hebrew people found their value in making bricks for Pharaoh. Yeah. And what they learned when they came across the Red Sea was they didn't have to make any bricks. Yeah. But they still had value. Yeah. And so we need to know that we do need to work hard. Yeah. That God has given us that both as a punishment but also as a duty to yeah. work well, yeah. work hard. But we can't find our value in the work that we work hard. Yeah. We need to find the value of who we are. And when we rest. Yeah. And when we get our minds off of that, yeah, I yeah. think it's when we really see the value, the the uh, the value that God's given us in having a measured life. Yeah, so not to chase a rabbit this morning, but you know, I've got a set of books I've been collecting for about 15 years yeah. on work. And New so sermon series. I, yeah, so I am longing sometime in the next three years to preach a sermon series on work, on work and rest and all of those things. Because I think they're, you know, it, it's where the majority of our people spend most of their time. It's the very thing that God told Adam and Eve to do in the garden. Work it and take dominion, right? Yep. So part of the essence of what it means to be human is to work. You mentioned a word that I kind of poke fun at sometimes is the balanced life. You know, A, what does that mean? I don't know what that means. I don't know that anybody knows what that means. Uh, other than maybe you shouldn't get exhausted or stressed. Well, I think that's ridiculous. But... Um, so, so I like to I like to say rather than living the balanced life, let's live a wise life. Let's live in wisdom, and I think I think it's wise to have hobbies if you're a hard worker. To have a hobby, if you're not a hard worker, you might need to let go of a couple of those hobbies. No, no, no. They no, just no, need, no. They need to pick up a hobby of work. <laughs> oh, oh, okay, but but here's a, but here's <laughs> but here's a word that uh, 
Louis and Shelley Giglio introduced me to working with them at Passion Conferences is the leveraged life, the leveraged life. In other, in other words, our days are numbered. The Bible, the Bible has a prayer, Lord, teach us to number our days, right? Um, James says, what is your life? It's a vapor, right? It's, it's here today. It's gone tomorrow. Um, and I, man, my heart is just full. I could just rattle off so many scripture texts. I'm not going to this morning, but, but just on this concept of life is short, time is fleeting. Therefore, we must live a leveraged life. We must leverage our minutes, our moments, our days, our weeks, our months, leverage it for the glory of God. Um, so what does that look like? Well, that's a question for our podcast listeners just to ponder today. Um, so I would say not the balanced life. Let's actually live a leveraged life where we find ourselves spent for the Lord. But let's also live a, a wise life that gives us endurance for the long haul. Daily spent, but weekly renewed. Daily spent, but you know, weekly being restored in the Sabbath so that we, we can go the long haul. We can, we, we can have more days where we're spent for the Lord because we're resting well. This is maybe one of these podcasts where the podcast listeners are just going to turn us off. But this is, if you want to know when Fred may no. come by the lounge, it's like, hey, Jonathan, you got, we just sit here and talk. This is what this is what we're talking about. So it's so funny because, you know, Daniel has sent me this like ultimatum. I, DJ Daniel Cox behind us. Uh, sent me this <laughs> ultimatum yesterday. I've got to know what the summer teaching series, so, series are. <laughs> so Freddie has asked uh, uh, the elders uh, to do, and others maybe, a summer study teaching series um, during the months of June or July. That's right. Community groups ramp down in May. Correct. And we take our summers to do niche Bible studies. So it might be a study through Romans. It might be a study on evangelism. It might be financial peace. It might be, what are you doing, John? So last year, uh, Daniel, this is my answer to your text yesterday. So um, last year I did, you gave me a book, Vaughn Roberts. uh, Oh, yeah. God's Big Picture. Yes. Um, If you heard my sermon back in January 2nd on Joshua, I bored everybody about the kingdoms. And I did get a couple of text messages about <laughs> the kingdoms. Uh, and it's like, I, hey, that preacher that you got that. right before you got sick, the real tall guy, he was awesome. <laughs> Can we have him back instead of Jonathan? So anyway, there's a no next <laughs> time again true. to That's your servant. So sorry, request. we rebuke sarcasm around here. <laughs> well, no, I just rebuked myself. So, uh, so I did the kingdom. I learned a lot of that from Von Roberts' book and then other studies, the meta-narrative, whatever. So I did a six-week study in the Bowen Lounge uh, on Sunday mornings last year uh, at 8-ish, whatever, Um, or 10, I can't remember. So I was going to do it again. That was what I was going to say until you brought this up this morning. Uh Uh-oh. I'm going to teach on the Sabbath. Love it. I'm going to do it. Love it. I've got two books right now I'm reading. I'm going to teach on the Sabbath. DJ Daniel Cox, you heard my answer. I don't know I'm when and where. I'm so excited. But the Sabbath, I've got a lot of study to do. Um, but it's where my heart and my mind so good. is. Yeah, so and good. And you've mentioned it a couple times, yeah. so um, don't know. So good. So the Sabbath, it, you know, Jesus, you may be familiar with the Sabbath because Jesus in the Ten Commandments told Moses, the God our Father told Moses, uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. He wrote that down on the tablets and then broke the tablets and they made new tablets and uh, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for your week? I think it was exactly what we just talked about, Fred. I know, but I can't wait for folks to get to hear this study. I can't figure out what to say. You got to figure wait. out how to. You got to figure out how to record it so I can listen to it. Oh wow! 
I'm so excited, John. I'm so excited. All right, do you want to talk about some peace this morning? That's what the sermon was about. It was a lot about peace. Yep. I did first service. Um, you let talk- me just, Yeah, let me dive in. Let me ask you a couple quick questions about peace. Yep. We could go a hundred different directions with this. Yes, we can. And I know in your community group, you took a deep dive to oh, look at I loved it. the sovereignty of God. Why was it hidden from them? Well, oh, God hid it from beautiful. them, and then God and then Jesus opened their eyes to it. Luke so that's 24. powerful. That is powerful. That's really powerful. But let me talk really practical. Yep. Uh, I that, tapped that on in the probably. sermon inner peace, world peace, and peace with God. Um, so I, I basically I was just saying Jesus will give you all three of those. He'll give you inner peace. So we looked at that verse that said he gives him perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in you. Did you hear that King James Version come through there, JV? It's really cool, bro. Um, and then we looked at world peace from this text in in Micah that I'm going to read in a minute. And then we looked at peace with God uh, from the text in Romans where Paul writes, you know, therefore, having been justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, we have peace with God. Um, but then world peace, uh, of those three, JV, inner peace, world peace, peace with God, as you were as you were listening to the sermon, which one of those like resonated with you the most? Which one of those do you feel like you connected with? Which one of those do you feel like you rejoiced in or you were instructed by? Which one left the biggest impression for you? You've analyzed me several times on the podcast that I think deeply, and I always have. I don't know why, but uh, obviously inner peace always for me. Okay. Because I feel like I'm never at peace in, inside yeah. uh, ever. Um, so always. how did that verse minister to you? It's simple for me. And if you look, there's a lot of verses. As I was getting ready for the podcast, looking at all different forms where the word peace is used, um, it's usually... It, it comes from a directive of us that we have to set our minds, set our desires, set our hearts, set our whole soul onto that of which God is. And when we can do that, that is when we will find the wholeness that he has created us to be. Um, and, and practically what that means is don't sit there and stress about work all day. As Rachel said, I woke up huffing and puffing yesterday morning she said, what is wrong with you? You hadn't even got out of the bedroom to go fix breakfast for the kids. And yeah. I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. I just stress. She says, you're worried about things that are not or not going to happen. Or Come on, Rachel. Do, and you can't predict it. Would Come you just on, Rachel. quit trying to control your day before? Now, sounds she didn't like, say all that. Sounds like Jesus to me. No. It's, it's, do not that's worry my, about that's where my what life you shall is. wear and what you shall So see. inner peace to me is, I've just got to, we talked about last week, with control. I've got to quit trying to control the day before it even happens. Yeah and stop and focus and set my mind on things above, set my th- mind on what God is going to do that day. Yeah. And whether it's good or whether it's bad, somebody gets sick, somebody gets angry, yeah. it doesn't make a difference. That Lean into what God is doing and quit trying to control everything that happens in my day. And so Here, inner the, peace the, to me was the uh, Thank one. you. This is amazing. This is really interesting. Yesterday I was on a Zoom call. I know that cursed thing, a Zoom call. I was on a Zoom call with a handful of church planters. Our church is a part of the Summit Collaborative, which is a network of church planters that was birthed out of the Summit Church in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina, where uh, uh, writer, pastor, uh, J.D. Greer is the pastor. So uh, we're on this talk with these church planters, and it was like their last session of a two-year residency where they're being trained as church planters. So myself and three other somewhat seasoned church planters are on there to kind of 
give them some advice on longevity in ministry. So one of the things was just really fascinating. Matt Dean, who's the pastor of uh, Auburn Grace Church, Matt talked about how church planting is both a sprint and a marathon. And normally you hear in ministry that ministry is a marathon, right? And that's the exhortation that we give each other. It's a marathon, it's a marathon, it's a marathon, it's a marathon. But church planting is both a sprint and a marathon. And the idea is just simply, it's like any startup, it's like any entrepreneurial endeavor. Uh, In the early days, it requires an output, a particular kind of output. This is why so many church plants fail, Jonathan, is because you've got, you, you, you can't spend 30 hours in sermon prep and blog post writing. You've got to get out there and be with the people. And you've, there, there's a different kind of output in order to get the thing started. Now, hear me clearly. I'm not, I'm not saying it's dependent upon the man, right? Like we give our best effort, but we pray like it all depends on the Lord, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. Um, but this idea that it's a sprint and then it's a marathon. So immediately the idea as Matt was talking, the idea that came to me is I ran cross country my freshman year in high school at Northeast, go Eagles. Clarksville High's baseball team played at Northeast the other day, the JV team. So I got to see Jack play on the field that I grew up on playing. That was pretty cool. Anyways, uh, where was I? Where cross was I? country. Thank you. Marathon. Ran cross country. And in a cross country race, when the starting gun goes off, you start in a sprint. Everybody is sprinting. And you're about to run three miles. But you start in a sprint. And you start to get out there. To get out there, kind of get ahead of the pack. And then you settle into your stride and you're no longer sprinting. Now you're running a race, but you're not sprinting. And church planting is very much that way. And I saw a very distinct shift take place somewhere around the two-year mark for us where there was an output level. And in those that probably worked close most closely with me felt it, you know, like there was an intensity about our work in the first two years that we, we kind of made it over to the hump. We got into our stride and we settled into less of a sprint. Now DJ Daniel Cox over there would say, ah, it feels like a sprint to me, you know, <laughs> and it, well, it's less of a sprint, but I think we'll settle into another stride as well in the next couple of years. Certainly when we move into a building, it'll be less of a sprint. Um, but, but here's, here's what hit me. To, ta- to tap on what you're talking about is Ecclesiastes 3 talks about seasons of life. And this is like for the last three years, this text has been such a, a pillar text in my mind that it's okay to have seasons of sprinting if you understand them as seasons, right? So so I, I, when, when Daniel and Jenny were coming on staff, I told them, look, in the life of a church, there's different seasons that are more intense. Easter. Christmas, you know, but there's going to be, you know, there's going to be some lazy days in the summer where like I told Daniel, like you're going to roll around in noon on Wednesday and you're going to be like, I got nothing else to do. You know, like the ministry's really never done, but in terms of like the work that we're working on the projects and things that we're trying to push forward. So there's seasons of life in ministry and then there's seasons of life in the church. So what you, what you've got to do is you've got to have enough self-awareness and enough wisdom to know how long can you sprint without throwing up, you know, like how long, you know, like how long can this season last without you 
really driving yourself into the ground. In other words, a sprint for a season is okay. It just can't be the long-term thing. What comes up for you when you hear that? You, I've got so much to say about what you just said. So, uh, but say know. it, say it. No, it's just too too out there. But yeah, just yeah. give me one thing, one nugget. What does that mean for you right now? Uh, it's Genesis one. Um, it's all Genesis one to you. No, John. no, Genesis one, mm-hmm. middle of a uh, middle of a new podcast, and in the middle of Genesis one, literally in the middle of Genesis one, is the word seasons. Mm, that's right. Which God said He set His seasons. Do you hear what I said? He said Genesis one said. God set his. I gotta. I gotta. I gotta read this now, Freddie. Genesis one. I gotta see where that is. Second page. It's third the first page, book of the Bible. Page, the first page, chapter of the first page. book of the Bible. Uh, I don't know if I'll even see it, but it says there it is. Fourteen. Then God said, "Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. They will serve as signs for seasons and for days and years." That is the center, actually, of the word count. That's the center of Genesis one. And when God said his seasons, he said there will be days of sprinting and there will be days of running with a good pace, balanced life, or leveraged, however you want to look at it, that God set in the middle of his creation. At the end, he rested. On his Sabbath, he rested. But in the middle of what he did in Genesis 1, he set seasons before his people, before there was sin, when everything was good and very good. He set seasons before his people. So sprint. Do a yeah. good small stride. Yeah. Maybe walk fast. Um, that's what life's going to be for all of us. And distortion of sin's thrown it off. But even through the distortion of sin, even if you look through past the distortion of sin, he still has made seasons for his people. So to enjoy them. Some days will be harder than others. But, I th- yeah, I think seeing life in seasons helps maintain sanity. I'll say that again. Seeing life in seasons helps maintain sanity. Um, I just you see how the concept of seasons, because God introduced it in Genesis one, He's unfolding it as here's how life is lived. Right? You know, child rearing happens in seasons. You know, you finally get your kid to sleep through the night, and then they start teething, and you're in a brand new season, and they're no longer sleeping through the night. You know, and then you're in the potty training season. You know, it's just like every Every little season is marked by something, right, in, in child rearing. Most recently, I've been thinking about our soldiers because I think we, we've got, I've got all these guys that are about my age, 40-ish, and they're, and they're getting out of the military because they've been in the military for 20 years. Now, that's a long season. That's a long season, but it is a season. It's a season marked by sacrifice. But the reward for these guys, for many of them, is really, really big because they, they, they then enter into a season where work is not as intensive and their financial stability is significant. And, and they're, they deserve it, right, because they've lived this season. You know, so we just had a real-lifer deploy, and it's very, very stressful for him and his, him and his wife and family. We prayed for them, and um, like just in the last couple of days, like he's out. And... Um, and it, so this is a very stressful season for them, and I can't wait. There's a season coming up for him where all those deployments, all those being in harm's way, that season will be over, and he'll be in, you know, he'll be in a sweet kind of the reward of their sacrifice as a soldier. Um, so let's let's not 
let's 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 go back to your sermon though. And yep. one of the other pieces is world peace, Fred. Yeah. And and right now in this community and other communities across America, but in this community for sure. Uh, I was talking to a very good friend last night, Justin Bowman. Now he's at JBAB in DC. Um, What's JBAB in DC, Jonathan? JBAB is the joint base of something, something I forgot. Uh, he's in the military. He's in the military, yeah. And um, and what I've seen he and many others, uh, when I taught that Sunday school class, do for our country and the sacrifice, the, the people that have to stay at home, the soldiers that are that are, that are deploying, uh, the PCSing, moving around all the time. Um, but, you know, you brought out world peace. Um, one of the things that God is going to bring to him bring to himself is reconciliation. Um, and one of those things is right now, we're just going to have to live through wars and wars and wars because people want more stuff yeah. because they want more power. Um, I'm reading a book on the Sabbath. They want more space. They yeah. just want to occupy more space. Yeah. Um, God promised the land is people. And so just, big, it was just really there. cool yeah. that you just mentioned that, that you have a family that's going to go through a little bit of turmoil, a little bit of, of difficult times. Because there is not peace. Yeah. So I want to. I, I, I do want to engage with you on this. There, there's a funny little thing that, uh-huh. that Susan and I had a conversation. Well, it's funny, but it's really wonderful. So Parker, my nine-year-old, if you ask him what do you want to be when you grow up, like in his top four is a military man, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Like I never imagined being a soldier growing up. Like it was just not on my radar and, you know, so he's had the privilege of being close in relationships uh, with soldiers. And we admire him and look up to him and speak their praise. But, I mean, they speak for themselves. They engage in relationships with him, right? But it was hilarious the other night. Somehow, Susan was talking with him, and, and, and he was talking about he either wants to be a military man, a professional baseball player, professional basketball player, or professional football player. <laughs> and he's like... Cause I'm, you know, cause I, I'm, I, I'm strong and I can do any of those. He said, you know, other things, this is hilarious. This is true. He said, there's other things that like, I don't think I could ever do like be a baker. <laughs> so it's hilarious that your hobby is cooking and Parker's like, I got nothing. I can't be a baker. Um, but in his mind, like, like he can get out there and just take some hits and take some beatings and football or military man, he can do it. But yeah, I, you know, um, Jonathan, how can we escape the reality that we're in right now with the issue with Russia and Ukraine? And we've seen videos and we've read articles and we've prayed prayers and it's been on our thoughts and minds. And, you know, in in so many of us here in the United States of America, we, we don't know what to think. We don't know what to feel. We don't know what to do. Uh, but but here is something we, we can um, rejoice in. Here's something that we can put our hope in. This is... This is the extended text that I used. I quoted from Micah Sunday in talking about how Jesus is going to give world peace. He's going to bring world peace. Well, this is this starts in chapter 4, verse 1, Micah. Let me just read this. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains, and it shall be lifted above the hills, and peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. I love that because this is just a reinforcement of what God promised to Abram. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. So now here's the prophet Micah saying, It is going to come to pass. All these nations are going to come and gather and worship the Lord. Um, He goes on to say, 
uh, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And here's, here's where we see this prophecy. He shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit uh, every man under his vine and under his fig tree, and no one shall make them afraid. Listen to that. No one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the people walk, each in the name of its God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. This is amazing, the the definitiveness that God is speaking through the prophet Micah. They will not learn war anymore. I love that image because he's not just saying he's going to stop wars. He's going to say he's going to stop wars in such a way that people will not even be training to defend themselves in this way. That's peace. That's peace. And, and, then, and then he says, neither, he says, where is it? Verse 4, but they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. So that's a picture of like shalom. That's a picture of rest. That's a picture. And he says, and no one shall make them afraid. So right now my heart, as yours does, as all of our podcast listeners does, hurts for the people of Ukraine as they're being invaded, as innocent people are being killed, as, as, as you've got this confusing turmoil of what's going on there and what needs to happen there. Well, the Lord Jesus is going to return. And when he returns, every spear that's used for war is going to be driven into the ground. And every, every group of people that were training for war, all of that training is going to stop. And no one, Jesus is going to bring such peace, Jonathan, that no one is going to be afraid anymore. That's just amazing. Yeah, those words, both in the Hebrew and the Greek, in essence say that he's going to bring wholeness back to his people. And the wholeness is there will be no separation. There will be nothing that will separate us from God. And with God, listen, with God, there is no war. There is no strife. There is no overreaching. Everything is in order as he created it in the beginning. So here's a here's here's an aspect of the gospel that most people growing up in Tennessee in churches probably were not um, discipled in. We understand the gospel in that Jesus died as a substitutionary atonement for our sins. Uh, Propitiation, Jesus, if you know that word. That's right. Jesus died as a substitute for us, bearing the wrath of God so that we could be forgiven of our sins, declared to be righteous and holy. That's justification. That got, that in, in my upbringing, that got most of the play in terms of gospel teaching and preaching. What I didn't hear as much is, is through Jesus' death and resurrection, as the Bible says, he's reconciling all things to himself. So not just people, but he's reconciling all things to himself. The Bible says that Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So what is the kingdom? Well, the kingdom is that realm and is that place where the rule of Jesus resides. So the kingdom of God can reside in our hearts when we 
receive him as king, when we submit to him as king, when we follow him as king. But here's here's a glorious aspect of the gospel that our podcast listeners, you, this may be what one of your friends needs to hear. They may not believe that they're a sinner. They may not believe that they need forgiveness, but their hearts are broken because of the war that goes on in the world. So here's a great aspect of the gospel that you can tell them. Jesus is going to come again, and Jesus alone is going to usher in peace. Well, that's part of what the kingdom is all about, right? And so Tim Keller is really helpful. Years ago, he wrote an article that ended up kind of being controversial because he talked about the gospel of the kingdom. And it was controversial because so much of the gospel preaching is focused on the substitutionary atonement of Jesus, which is the core of the gospel, but we can't miss this reality that when we look out on the brokenness of the world, Jesus is going to heal that. Jesus is going to bring peace to every war. He said there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. So we know that that's going to happen. That's a sign of living in the last days. And when Jesus ascended to heaven after his resurrection, the last days began. So we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. Um, but but as we hear rumors of wars, it's a reminder of we are in those last days. And, you know, like a, like a rubber band, like, like childbirth pains, those will intensify uh, as, as the return of Jesus gets close. Nobody knows the hour, but those are signs that we are, that we are close. We've been along a big spectrum this morning. I hope somebody gleaned something about it. But this is Holy Week. So let's be more thoughtful, if you're not normally, but let's be more thoughtful and more intentional about sitting down with your family this week, uh, sitting down with your kids this week, maybe reaching out to your neighbors this week to say, this is the week that we said celebrate this week. Nellis said, I don't think we celebrate that, Daddy. Hmm. Commemorate what Jesus has done, what we celebrate, we commemorate every year that he is because of that act of the death on the cross. And his resurrection from the grave, he, that is what brings reconciliation. Not just justification, but he will reconcile all things unto himself. And we, 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 we praise him for that. JV, I know we've been going on and on. Can I tell you one more story? One more story. Okay. And then we'll take a break. It's a holy week. I, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you the story when we come back. Let's do that. Let's take, take a, a break. We'll um, hear the story, and then we'll hit Easter services and all that. All right. So let's take a break. We do something at Real Life that I've never heard of anybody else doing, and it's called the Sunday After Easter Party. Churches all across the nation will be making Easter the Super Bowl of the church. But guess what? For us, the Super Bowl is going to be the Sunday After Easter. That's right. We're going to our land, 10 a.m. It's going to be amazing. The Sunday After Easter Party, eight food trucks. Here's the cool thing is anybody that comes to Easter to Real Life for the first time, they get free vouchers for the food trucks at the Sunday after Easter party. Grab your blankets, grab your chairs, bring a friend. The Sunday after Easter party is going to be awesome. We'll see you there. All right, I got a Holy Week story, JV, and you've probably heard this one, but most of our podcast listeners haven't. And I share it because it happened on Holy Week, and I share it to encourage our people to pray because those that are listening... Right now today, they've got somebody on their mind that they think, oh, I wish they would come to Easter service. Oh, I wish they would find the Lord. Oh, I wish I could find a way to share with them. So I want to encourage you to pray for those people today, and here's the story. So we're in New York City. 
Our office is on the corner of 27th and Broadway. We're on this sixth floor loft space, art gallery space. And I come in on Monday of Holy Week and I look out my office window and there's this life-size billboard, this four-story size billboard of this woman with no shirt on, but an advertisement is covering up like her breast area and she's got like skin tight shorts. So it's like this, what I feel like is a quite inappropriate image, four story size. And it's the, the thing that I see out my window and it was a vitamin water ad and their new, they, they were, they were advertising a new flavor and the new flavor was like titled triple X. So it was like XXX. So it's like the innuendos of what yeah. they're doing here, you know? So like, the triple X is like, like that's in the advertisement over her breast, right? So, sorry for the images that I may be giving you guys, but but this this is this is what you you can imagine how thrilled I was that my little girl walking out the front door of her church, this is what she sees, you know, with the world screaming, hey, if you take your shirt off, you might be wanted, attracted, or yeah, you know, like celebrated, right? And every guy walking out the front door of our church every Sunday, you know, like like temptation staring you in the face, right? Like we didn't need this, right? And um, so I knew that it, the, the I knew that the billboard was owned by Coca-Cola because down at the bottom there's a Coca-Cola badge, but it was a vitamin water. So it, it just fired me up, man. So I, I, I go on Twitter and I send a couple of tweets, uh, not direct messages, but live tweets where I tagged vitamin water. And I said things like, you know, is your is your product so bad that you have to use sex to sell it? You know, that kind of thing. You know, please take this down on behalf of wholesome families in New York City. You know, take it down. It was a little bit of a self-righteous kind of a plug, you know, but I was just fired up. And, um, you know, so my tone wasn't the best, but I'll get to the, the, the heart of the story. Well, they send me a message back and said, Freddie, we would love to hear your concerns. And they leave me a phone number. So I call them, leave a message. They call me back, leave a message. We play phone tag all week long and never end up on the phone. This is Holy Week. We come in Good Friday, on Good Friday. So all this started on Monday. We come in on Good Friday, and the whole billboard is completely black. They had taken down the whole billboard. Okay, so people think, wow, Twitter did that. No, no, the Lord did that, and here's why. The three weeks leading up to Easter, we had mission teams from around the country in, and they walked up and down those streets around our block praying for Jesus' rule and reign to come in our neighborhood. And they just walked faithfully, praying, 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 praying. And here we roll in, Easter week. This neighborhood had been covered in prayer the, the three previous weeks. Inappropriate billboard, a few tweets, and they take it down. It was absolutely amazing. So why do I tell you that story? You can Google it and find it, you know, just anyways, it's a great, it's a great story. Um, it was kind of wild, like New York Post covers it, all this stuff, right? Um, well, the reason I share that story is because somebody has something that they feel like it needs to happen. They've got somebody they need awakened to the Lord. They've got somebody they're burdened for and they feel like it's just impossible that they're not going to come to Christ. Pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. Don't grow weary in praying for those people. It's Holy Week. Who knows? Maybe they'll come this week. The Lord does not waste a prayer. Pray prayers today. 
that you're willing for him to answer 20 years from now, but pray in faith. Persevere. That's right. Persevere. Easter's coming up. Easter this week. Um, it is 8 o'clock service, 9.30 service, 11 o'clock service. 11 o'clock service does not have real-life kids, real-life babies. They're all welcome to come to worship, but we won't have that programming provided. That's right. That's right. So um, so that's this Sunday, and then the week after Easter is the, what do we call it again? The Sunday after Easter party. Let me, Easter. let me let me just accent this one thing about Easter. Yes. Uh, podcast listeners, will you do us a big favor? When you come in on Sunday morning, will you go all the way up to the front? Will you go all the way up to the front? It may not be your normal place that you sit. Do it for Easter. We want, and, and help encourage others, come up to the front so that all the space we need is in the back. Also, consider coming to 8 o'clock or 11 o'clock just to create space in that middle hour, and uh, it's going to be a great day. And then we have the Sunday after Easter party. The Sunday after Easter party is absolutely probably the most epic event we do all year. It's going to be on the land, eight food trucks, worship, bounce houses for the kids. It's going to be awesome. Any of your friends, coworkers, family members, or just strangers that you meet at the grocery store this week, anybody that worships with us on Easter for the first time, we're going to give them a voucher where we'll feed their family from the food trucks for free the next week. So just a way to celebrate the fact that they're with us to say, we love you. We're glad you're here. Here's a big red carpet, you know, welcome for you. And um, that's at 10 o'clock the week after Easter. On the land right next to Sango Elementary School. Park in Sango Elementary School parking lot. And uh, bring your bag chair, bring your blanket, pray for sunshine, it's going to be a beautiful day. If it rains us out, we should know by noon on that Friday. Uh, we'll announce it, and we'll pivot to the to the week after that. Great. Maundy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday. We have a great week ahead. Jonathan, what are you doing on Good Friday? Anything special? No. We've got, we've got some friends uh, that we've never had over to the house, but some church folks coming over. Yeah. Um, but I hope you have a really... Uh, deeply Friday. meaningful Good Friday. Yeah, I hope so too. I'm sure I will. Love you, man. All right, uh, Fred. Anything else? Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.